welcome to the Path to Follow podcast. This episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to spend about 30 minutes today talking about a certain topic. And today I have Coach John Nostrant from the lacrosse program at Gilman School here. We're going to talk about building championship culture. And obviously Coach Nostrant has a ton of experience at the Haverford School as an athletic director and the head lacrosse coach there for a long time. And now he's at Gilman School. And we're going to discuss all that goes into building a culture of excellence and success and and championship caliber teams today. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, Before we begin, I do want to thank all our viewers of the Path to Follow podcast. Uh, It's been a ton of fun talking to teachers, coaches, faculty members, staff members here at Gilman, uh, alumni, and students too. And uh, I'm looking forward to continuing that. So if you have been enjoying the episodes. If you like the episodes, just hit subscribe on YouTube right right below this video. Uh, follow on Spotify, Apple Music, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'll have some more good stuff for you coming soon. Coach Nostrant, it's a pleasure to have you on today. Thanks for having me back, Jake. Glad to be here. Second episode with Coach no- Coach Nodi. Um, Coach, Today we're going to talk about building championship culture, and obviously you have so much experience and expertise in this area, um, but before coming in today, I was thinking a little bit about the word culture, because it's one of those words that's somewhat tough to define, and it's more of kind of a feeling or a, um, something that you know when you see it, like a, a strong, successful, successful culture, especially in sports. Um, when you think of that word, what what comes to mind for you? So, you know, I think you're right, and, and I would agree with you 100%. And I think culture can change from year to year, from team to team. Um, but when we talked about creating that culture and, you know, what it takes, I, I just I always found myself coming back to the word trust. Um, so building trust. So... You know how you do that, and, and and watching how other people do that with their teams, coaches, or or in business. Um, I think, I think the key component to, to to championship culture is trust, and it's at all different levels, right? It's it's that coach has to have a relationship with his staff. That coach has to have a relationship with the administration. You know, at the, at the school. Um, the boys have to trust one another. Uh, you know, if we're talking specifically about lacrosse, so there's different layers, um, but I think trust is is probably the key ingredient to, to any culture. And just from getting to know you more these past couple of years, it seems like you built trust almost immediately with players and coaches and people in the Gilman community. How does that? Ha- how did it so happen so quickly for you when you came to Gilman? It seemed almost natural that you were able to build trust with guys almost right away. What are what are some ways that you build trust with your players and your coaches? Well, I think you got to get to know them on a personal level. You have to know what what excites them. You know what what they're. You know what, what's important to them. What are, what are their, you know what are their pillars like? What do they value? So. Peeling back the onion, I think, you know, we hear the term relational teaching, relational coaching. 
Um, so you gotta you gotta dig a little deeper to, to to find out you know what makes your guys tick, what makes your coaches tick, what gets them excited, what gets them motivated. Um, so for me, that's why I teach and coach. And so doing it here at Gilman has been has been great, but unbelievably challenging as we all have been challenged over the course of the last 10, 11 months, right? COVID has taken away that ability. It's put, you know, put masks on our face. It hasn't allowed us to, to, to sit down um, and, and share a table. Um, it hasn't allowed the boys to sit in a locker room and, and get to know one another or, or gather on a field. Um, so it's been a, it's been really challenging, both emotionally and, and physically. I think for for all of us, um, but I think building it here at Gilman, or beginning to build it, it it really has. I don't know that it's been easy, but it's been natural because of the type of families, the type of boys, and the type of teachers that we that we have in the Gilman communities. So because of all the people that were here before and they've already established some of those things so I just try to pick up and build on some of the things that you know I've read about from Reddy Finney to, you know to Henry to you know to Russell and Lori to Sherm Bristow to, to Timmy Holly to all those people um, they've they've already done a, a lot of good work here so I'm just here to try to figure out what my role is and what you know what my piece of the action is going to look like I guess. For sure. I think the, the you kind of came into Gilman right when the pandemic first hit, and it definitely has been tough to figure out ways to build trust in such a virtual distance situation um, with students in world cultures and English classes and also with our guys on the, the lacrosse field because we don't see them. We don't have those personal um, relationships in front of us. They're, they're further away. Um, but in, in a more typical situation, and maybe we could talk about your years at, at Haverford. Um, I think we've talked about before how, how trust kind of runs on its own when, when, and, and successful culture runs on its own once it's implemented. Um, so maybe thinking back to some of your championship level teams, trust is the main pillar but how did, how did you get trust and success to kind of run on its own uh, at Haverford? Again, I think it's, it starts with those relationships with your, with your players, and then it trickles down. It, it's coach to player, and then it's player to player. Um, so I, I, I feel like as a coach, you're going to coach the way you are coached, or, or you're going to pick things up. Um, you're going to do things that worked for you as a player. You're going to do things that worked for you um, in your as a player as it related to you know how you responded to your coach. So I played for one of the greatest motivators ever, and we talked about him on the last podcast, Terry Terry Corcoran. So um, you know, whenever we came out of the locker room, we just felt like we were going to win. So. We were always excited. He got us fired up to play. So I think that emotion of, of excitement and, and um, just being ready to compete on a daily basis, that, that, that's huge. So, you know, just talking to guys about, about that and, and what that looks like, I, I think is important. And then what are, what are the things that are important? You know, whatever is important to me, 
uh, I'm gonna that's gonna again trickle down to the players so getting in the weight room getting on the wall things that we did last year as a staff here um, that we're you know we're not able to to do now but we started to build that culture at, at Gilman um, and and I think that's important so when I was at Haverford after after a while um, I would walk into my office from home and we had a big wall I think you, you know and it was not it was normal for me to walk in at 715 and see 30 guys on, on the wall and then maybe another 20 guys in the weight room and then maybe another 10 guys on the field, all within, you know, 100 yards of, of each other. And once we got to that point that that, that that was important, the kids, that just became an expectation. So the, there was no pressure, there was no, it was just an expectation. So if guys didn't do that, they just knew that they couldn't compete or they you know they wouldn't have an opportunity to play so i think you know building that from the ground up and then making sure that your players you know or your team they there's a certain accountability that they have for one another but again you have to be careful cuz that can become toxic that mm -hmm. can become you know a gotcha culture right with kids well he you know he wasn't he wasn't there he wasn't doing that why why is he playing so again it's it's always having that I always said to kids and I think we talked about this before so forgive me for being redundant but you know to say that your door is always open well that that's that's a cliche that for a 14 or a 15 year old boy or girl to go in and talk to their coach about something that's on their mind, especially it's something that's probably not working, that's not very easy. So making sure that you really mean what you say and that you follow up and your attention to detail is important. I think all those things factor in. Yeah, what you're saying about the wall ball in the morning and the guys in the weight room in the morning, that expectation that your players are going to put in the work that they need to to be on the team. Uh, the younger guys, too, are looking at that. The middle school guys and the lower school guys and the eighth graders, they're, they're, they're looking at that. They're seeing the older guys working hard and putting in a lot of extra work, and they almost can't wait to get there, right? That's, that's part of the culture piece is that it's, it's running on its own because – the younger guys want to be there. They want to be on the varsity team. They want to be in that weight room at seven o'clock in the morning. They want to grind like that. There, there's no doubt. Like if you talk to Stews or some of the guys from last year's team, they, you know, they, they talk to me about when they were younger, going to the MIA semifinals or finals and watching the Gilman teams that were in there, the great, you know, teams of, of in the league, um, and wanting to be there. They want to. You know they want to want to see that, and at Haverford, we we had this when, we, when I was first there in the early '90s. We went into the pit, it was called, and that's where we did our our pregame stuff, and then our walk out onto the field was very traditional. And then we built a brand new complex, so I would take the guys down into the squash courts prior to every game, and that was kind of I'm a fire and brimstone type of guy but if I'm you know again that's all natural too if I'm not if I'm not excited or fired up to coach then I'm not I'm not going to do that but like the the games themselves 
just brought on so much excitement for me. Um, the way that I tried to get my guys ready, I, I you know, get them down in that in that area, and and you know you you just get them get them ready to go. You go through the game plan, but it's also a build up to you know what we need to do. And I always said when I played at Washington College, my feet never hit the ground till the end of the first quarter. I was so excited to play, play with my team, play for my coach, play for my school, right? And and also within that because we demand so much of our guys we have to we have to treat them i i think you know in a special way too and and show them that they deserve certain things because of of what they're doing so little little tiny things that have for like if 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 there was snow on the field and we and we were, we were in jeopardy of, of of not getting a game and we'd shovel the field right and that created tension too because we weren't supposed to shovel the field the field was brand new and what about the liability and is somebody going to get hurt and and all that all those things you know, they ring hollow to you because you're you're trying to do something for your guys and put them in a position to play a game that you expect them to win but more importantly to play that game at home on their field which they deserve to do um, gear you know looking the part making sure that you know that, that you have the things that you you're equipped with the things that you need to, to be successful and some people would call it excessive that we had four different colored helmets at Haverford <laughs> and I, I would call it I would say that it was that was just unique and special and, and we felt like we deserved to have that because we worked hard but we also held ourselves to a standard that, that allowed us to feel good about that right that we weren't just taking um so creating that work ethic and doing things like that. So team trust and um, certain rewards for hard work and the effort that you put into the program, absolutely. Are there other pillars that you think about when you think of a championship caliber, caliber program that uh, fit under that umbrella of, of what is the culture like? So we have trust is the main center pillar, but what else kind of falls in line there? So I think, you know, selflessness, right, um, putting the team before your before yourself, which is really hard, especially for for younger, you know, high school age kids, um, you know, be, being selfless. Again, I think building building team is is so hard because you start with. 45 or 50 kids and and all of those kids that you have in your program they all want to be on the first midfield they all want to start they all want to envision themselves scoring the winning goal in, in an overtime game in a championship setting or, or any game but the reality is that's not it's not going to happen right you can only play 10 guys at a time um, so you have to find ways to to keep there's a role for everyone on a team and and getting guys to buy into their role or or and also maybe getting guys to not accept their role or accept their role it's constantly changing so as a coach you just have to have your hand on the pulse of of what your team like what are they feeling so daily check-ins with with your captains or or, or guys on your team like hey how's how's so-and-so doing i know he went from the second line to the third line or he was on man up last week and he's not on man up if, if you're a coach who doesn't f 
feel the need to over communicate or to be empathetic or sympathetic to those situations or people I, I, I don't think you're gonna win consistently like if you're not I, I, and again I may have talked about this but you know we have that term like I'm gonna be brutally honest well how about compassionately honest right talking to kids about what the role is knowing that they're not going to be happy in a particular role but getting them to buy in so I, I think that that's important and you know me I'm not a tech guy I don't I don't have sayings I don't have a lot of things um, written down I, I do try to I think you know the best ideas are, are usually someone else's so you try to find you know all right where who's who's been successful what's the rugby team what's the book the uh, all blacks yeah the all blacks and yep. you know what their what was their locker room like what did they do right so we I, I think we can all take bits and pieces of of things that worked for certain teams but we, you want to be careful because what worked for one team might not work for your team right what worked for you 10 years ago might not work anymore I know that I cannot coach the same way today that I coached in the early 90s I get fired mm -hmm. you know I probably should have gotten fired in the early 90s too but let's go back to that trust factor right like when I did some things that the headmaster or the athletic director before I was the athletic director shook his head like Timmy Holly when I came out and we wore black uniforms and Timmy's like well I thought our colors were maroon and gold right and I knew that we had to wear black because we need to be tougher. We need to be like the Oakland Raiders. Well, Timmy didn't fire me. You know, he brought me in and chastised me a little bit. But, you know, having building that trust ahead of time, so you have you have people you have surrounded yourself with people that trust you enough that they're going to let you live on the edge a little bit, right? As long as you don't fall off the cliff. Mm -hmm. So those are and and again, you just. You, you have to you have to be true to yourself and you and the other thing I would say is and, and this is a tough one too and and I guess be careful how to interpret this but you can't compromise right if you if you believe in what you're doing compromising is is like kryptonite it's 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 you, to me it's weakness right but again, there's a lot of times in life when we have to compromise if we want to work on a relationship or we have to do things. So I'm not saying that you can never compromise, mm -hmm. but I think you want to be careful about compromising, especially when you have historical evidence that, that things work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have the formula in place. You know it's going to work. Compromising is taking a step backwards sometimes. Um, but g going back to the selflessness part, because that's something that I, that I wanted to talk about in high school as a teenage guy, and I've been on a lacrosse team as a teenager, you think you are the man, you think you're going to be the guy scoring the game winning goal. You want to be, you want to be that guy with your name in the paper and you've coached so many all Americans, so many great names in your career. How do you get guys like that who and their parents too. They think that they should be the one scoring the goal. They think they shouldn't be sitting on the bench. How do you get guys like that who are ranked in inside lacrosse to buy into your program's vision? Again, I think it's it's you're you're doing it, you know, through communicating effectively with them, talking about it openly and honestly. And and also accepting the fact that 
they're not going to like their role all the time and they're not going to be always happy with with where you put them or maybe they won't be happy and you know happy for their teammate in, in certain situations but also allowing them the ability to talk about that or, or to share those feelings I think you know and talk about parents especially at the high school level parents are a key ingredient to any team's success and you know again some of these some of these things that we're talking about we talked about on the on the prior podcast but if you if, if the parents aren't buying into what you're selling then there's no way the kids are going to buy into it there's just no way mm-hmm. um you know when they get in the car when they get home and we've we've talked about that so again communicating effectively with your parents um talking about non-negotiable things um talking about what's what's appropriate and what's not appropriate when you're having a conversation setting boundaries right we're not going to talk about why Johnny's playing more than you right that that's not what it's about it's about you so let's stay in the in the known let's let's talk about what you need to do or what's what are some of your shortcomings and I, and I also think too as you said we want those guys those are the guys we want on our team we want guys to think that they should be on the first line or that they should be in a certain role so getting upset with them because they're upset makes zero sense right and again i i can tell you that as a young coach i would all i would get upset with guys and i would wonder like what like are they crazy like are they aren't they not watching the same thing well no they're not they're not they're not i'm looking at it through my lens they're looking at it through their lens the parents are looking at it through their lens you have assistant coaches who are looking at it through through their lens so i think just again being being compassionate and and being able to have those conversations and, and creating an environment where, where, where people are not afraid to kind of speak their mind, I think is is paramount. Yeah, openness, trust, communication, all very important. Another word that comes to my mind um, when I think of a culture of success or a culture of winning is sacrifice because playing a sport, especially a high school sport at at a high caliber, you have to put aside some of the things that you might want to do socially or outside of your sport for the good of the team. And whether that's getting up at seven a.m. and getting in the weight room or hitting the wall at seven fifteen, or like we had we had prom every time we played Haverford School in in high school. We had prom the night before. We had to not go to prom, or we had to not go to prom and stay out that late because we knew we had a game. The next day against a you know big opponent um so maybe we can talk a little bit about sacrifice in terms of uh what that means for the high school athlete on any team really yeah i, I think that's huge and you know could could be college could it, it doesn't matter right you have to live to a higher standard if you're a part of a team than someone who's not a part of a team it's as simple as that there's more rules for a Gilman lacrosse player, a Gilman basketball player, a Gilman football player than there is for, you know, just the the regular Gilman student, although, you know, we're all participating in athletics here, but you have to know when you, when you sign on that dotted line by being on a team that 
you're going to have to sacrifice more than, than anyone else. And if you think back to what we tried to do last year, and I get nervous as a, as a dad and as a coach when I ask guys to leave their house at 6 in the morning or 6.15 in the morning and come in and do some CrossFit training. But that's, that's sacrifice, and that's something that we can point to, that no one else is, is doing that. No one's working as hard as we are. No one cares as much as we do. And that may or may not be true, but you can convince a bunch of high school boys that, that, that it's definitely true, right? And, and so I think, again, teaching, teaching the value of, of work ethic and hard work and, and maybe not putting the carrot at the end, not having it be result-driven, right? Let's, let's have it be fun. Let's, ha let's embrace, right, the term embrace the suck, right? I've heard that a lot with football guys and things like that. And I don't know that I love the term, but I, I do love what it stands for because everyone loves to play in games, right? And I think I said it last year in, in our, in our pregame, I think, you know, I'm a big music guy, right? So the Tom Petty song, right? Well, let's put the party dress on. Let's go. That's, it's game day. So we can all get excited about, even if your role is, if you never step on the field, most athletes can get excited for their teammates in a game situation. Can you get is equally excited about going to CrossFit training or going to Jay Dyer or sweat performance or lifting here, you know, with Diego? Or can you get as excited about practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, knowing that you have to be ready on Friday? And I think getting guys to do that, it becomes infectious. It becomes, you know, it's, it's a shared quality. So I, I think that's... That's huge, and I never ever believed that when I was younger because I didn't really have any, a lot of fun. I, I, I wasn't a guy that liked to do any sprints. The weight room might have as well been a foreign country to me for a, lot, a big part of my time, and some of it was generational. We, we weren't really into lifting weights, but get, getting guys to, to, to embrace those things that we know that we value, if they value those things the same way, I think you're going to be successful. Yeah, and I think a, a big part of all of what we are talking about is energy because energy is so contagious. If it, it could come from the coach in some ways, but it really comes from the guys on the team. If, if the seniors are getting excited about the weight room at 7 in the morning or about CrossFit at 7 in the morning, then the sophomores are going to get excited about it, and the freshmen, and then the 8th graders are going to be walking by and looking at that energy, and it, and it all kind of rolls together. In, in a contagious way. So I, I'm a big believer, I know you are, in, in energy and the power of energy. So I think in our, in our pillars of championship culture, I think energy is one of the, the biggest ones to think about too. Yeah, and we talked on the way over here, you know, John Gordon, right? And, um, you know, his book on, on certainly hard hat on George Boriardi and, and the tragic loss of, the, you know, of his life up at Cornell. Um, but John talks about about energy, about positive energy, about energy vampires. Nothing's going to be good enough, or we'll never win. And I and I do believe, you know, that coupled with um, just envisioning and, and picturing yourself in in successful situations. You know, I tell guys all the time. You know, when we would go into you know overtime games, I'm like boys this is sudden victory man this is what we this is what we've been waiting for right the first goal wins man it's not sudden death it's sudden victory who's 
who's, who pictures himself going out and getting that tough ground ball, banging it down side, faking once or twice, and sticking it in the back of the net, right? So I think if we can – visualization is, is such a positive thing, um, positive thoughts and positive energy. Um, you, you really can't – there's no room for negativity on, on a, in, a, in a championship culture. Um, and, if you, and if you're a guy that has that, you're going to get weeded out. You know, by your peers, so that'll that'll happen naturally. Definitely. Um, any other pillars that you're thinking about in terms of building a championship culture? Because to some degree, that title is there's a lot to unpack there. I think we've done a pretty good job of it so far. Um, but a championship team. A lot of people think about a championship team is having all the best players and you can have all the best players you want, but it really comes down to these other um, tenants or, or pillars that we're talking about here that make the team. The personalities are a huge piece of, of any successful team, I think. And, and getting those personalities aligned is no easy task because everyone's, everyone's different. Everyone has dis- different expectations, goals for themselves. Um, it's definitely a challenge. So I would say, you know, one word that comes to mind would be respect, right? So again, we're all going to have different roles, but but respecting one another's roles and, and having respect. If, if if you have, and I've been very fortunate to have great players, and but you know, some of the best players that I've coached over the years, you know, Doc Aiken comes to mind, right? The guy was a phenomenal football player. Whatever sport it is, you know, he, he, he could play that sport. But Doc's was, had so much humility and he was such a phenomenal teammate that his, it was infectious to the rest of the team. So he could go out and score five goals. He could go, go out, but, but Doc's, or people like Docs, it was just as important for him to see how someone else was doing or how someone else was feeling or how someone else reacted to a certain situation. Um, I, I think that that's so important. So respecting your teammates, regardless of their skill level, their ability, right? We, we can all, we, we can control work ethic you know, we can control attitude, but respecting one another. And again, not everyone's going to get along, right? There's 45 guys, and I, and I tell guys all the time, I don't, I don't expect you guys to to love one another, really. I, I don't, but I expect you to, res- to, to treat each other with respect and, and to not judge and, and to, to really love unconditionally in, in, in any way that, that, that you can, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have anything good to offer or say then then don't say it and again that just comes with just constantly talking and creating an environment where people feel free and open about just having conversations yeah and in a similar way that positive energy is contagious on a team i think that negative energy or lack of respect or uh, talking poorly on a teammate that that can spiral out of control and really hurt a team too um, it could it could really be the death of a team. There, there's no doubt. So you have to be courageous, right? And you you have to have the courage of your convictions. And you know, I'd like to think that you know we're teachers first, um, and we're teaching for the most part 
inexperienced, younger young men, you know, what, what we want for them, what are our expectations. So again, you, you get, you have to be empathetic. You have to, you, you have to be able to, to teach and coach the smartest guys in your class and the guys that struggle the most in athletics is, is no different. Right. And, and your talent level, it, it, it shouldn't be a determinant to how you're treated but naturally it is in, in our society right but again on a, on, a, on a big team and and a lot of these teams now at the college level they're bigger than they've ever been right so I like to think about like how are these teams at the college level how are they picking their captains now they have six-year seniors they have fifth-year seniors and they have four-year seniors mm -hmm. right and it certainly is incumbent upon a coach to to whatever his philosophy is or whatever his strategy is for picking captains is fine, right? But how do you deliver that message to your team when you have that diverse group of people that, that they've never had before, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, you know, again, I'd like to know, I'd like to learn from coaches. How did you talk to your guys about it? How did you vote for captains? You know, did do you have any natural four-year guys that are your captains think things like that so the, the the game is always changing and I think you always again the key is is being an effective communicator and, and and being open to 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 learning and evolving as, as you go through different things yeah, the captain conversation I think is difficult because you do want to choose a leader who has some experience and has been on the field but your captain shouldn't always be the best guy on the team. It's the guy on the team who exactly what you're saying, who trusts the most, who has the most respect, who leads by example, by doing, um, has positive energy. It's, and that's not always the most talented player on the team. Definitely not. And, and leadership to me is it's earned, it's learned, it's not necessarily innate. Um, so putting kids in, in positions to make good decisions, giving them feedback on what those decisions were. Um, you know, teaching kids how to lead, I think, is important, especially at, at the high school level. And and there's some kids that, as you said, they, they lead differently. They lead through their actions. Some are more vocal, some are not vocal. Um, but embracing different leadership styles and pointing them out, you know, to the team so guys are they may have a different perspective or they might say, oh, I never thought of it that way or never looked at it through that lens. So there's, there's leadership is, is, again, probably another another pillar. But I've always, my school of thought is, like, you have captains and, and they're very important, but I think your seniors are, are leaders. And I don't think you need a, a C or a label or a title to, to make you a leader. And, and you have to make sure that you're creating a culture that that allows people to lead whether or not they're a captain or not yeah i mean you could be a freshman or a sophomore and be a leader on a team it doesn't really matter it's all about the qualities that you demonstrate every day yeah yep. and if you look, go, go back to the old school stuff right it was always the freshmen that were doing all the go get the goals or pick the balls up or go carry do the that, water right well now you know 
you, you read you, you read you know the, the rugby book you read about different things and 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 you know it, it shouldn't be it should be the seniors that are doing that it should be the most senior people that have gone through all these things that are help they're helping carry the water they're bringing those guys up to speed and they're no one is is should be above that so again I enjoy seeing how other coaches do that or how other CEOs or CFOs do that and I, I try to you know beg borrow and steal and anything I can yeah it's, it's interesting um, I asked a few people before the podcast what their major pillar is for a championship caliber culture what, what is that ingredient and everyone had a different answer but I think as we've talked about before, it really does come down to trust is the major one, especially on a team sport. So um, Coach Nostrant, it's great having you on today. Thanks for coming on to the first uh, special topics uh, episode, and I think we can pick back up. We can, we can dive into any one of these categories going forward. So appreciate you coming on. You got it. Thanks, Jake.